Exodus, and we're going to be there again today, so chapter 12, I think. of our hearts and minds be acceptable in your sight lord you are a rock are crucified risen bringing coming in redeemed bless you father thanks for your help now holy spirit in jesus name amen in 10 plagues the gods of egypt have been judged including pharaoh himself the ruthless pharaohs ruthless pharaohs who had killed countless israelite infant boys for some 80 years plus, would be personally judged by the death of his firstborn, and likewise the death of firstborns in all, in all of Egypt. All of his government leaders lost their firstborn. All his royal servants lost their firstborn. All the way down to the servants' quarters, in nearly every home in Egypt, someone died that night. We say that's a harsh judgment. I'm, I'm not God. I can't, I can't put a, a measurement on that. But we, what we sow, we will reap. The Bible says, and the pharaohs sowed 80 years of Israelite baby boys being killed. So I trust God's judgments to be fair and true and just. Amen. The grief and wailing that had been heard in Israelite homes for two generations was now heard throughout the land of Egypt. There was hardly a home that wasn't touched by the 10th plague. So let's pick up the true story. I just want to be, I just wrote, I originally wrote, let's pick up the story. And I'm like, I just want to be clear. These are true stories, okay? It's not, a, it's not a childhood story that somebody made up. These are true, historical, real-life stories. Amen? Amen. Okay. So let's pick up the true story in Exodus chapter 12, verse 21. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans, and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. I, I told the adult class this morning, I was trying to remember to do this, so I think the Lord wanted me to do it. I researched hyssop a little bit more this week, and I know that it's a, as a plant, it has some antibiotic properties. So they use it a lot of times for healing, different healing ministries, physical healing. But the other thing that goes with the hyssop plant is that its flower is our white petals tinged with red around the outside edges. So the Israelites are, are, are dipping the blood of the lamb and they're putting it over their doorposts so that the red, the blood part, makes, makes real clear sense to them. The white part is not going to become really clear until Jesus, the Passover lamb, makes that ultimately clear. 
they might figure it out along the way with the sacrificing of the lambs for forgiveness of their sins as they go forward. They might make that connection. It becomes really super clear in Jesus. Only the blood of Jesus can make us white and our robes white when we stand before God in heaven. So it's really beautiful and powerful that God told him exactly what kind of branch to use to put the blood on. And didn't just say, go grab something from the, the sidewalk edges to get hyssop specifically. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that's in the basin. Touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this rite as a statute for you and for your sons forever. I love that forever. Because we're a part of this story too. By faith in Jesus Christ, we are grafted into Israel. So we're a part of the story. But this, this beautiful, powerful Passover experience uh, totally helps us to understand Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. So literally, as we were studying again in Revelation, our, our adult class this morning, you cannot stand before the throne of God in heaven and be with him forever in the Father's house unless your life is covered in the blood of the Lamb by faith in Jesus. That's the only way to be there. And so that, that truth and that power is already revealed here in great fashion, clear back in Exodus at the ten plagues. It's a beautiful uh, physical acting out of it for them to put the blood over their, their doorposts. For us, it's not a physical act. It's a faith act. When I believe in Jesus Christ, when I recognize my sin and my need for cleansing and a Savior so I can come to the presence of a holy God, i got to have my Jesus. Verse 24, you shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land, the Lord will give you, as he promised, you shall keep this service. Isn't that interesting? They don't have to earn the promised land. The promised land. God's going to give it to them. 26, when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses, and the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Now, even today when the Jews celebrate the Passover, it's not a, yeah, God whooped on the Egyptians. It's, it's, not, it's not like that at all. There's a somber uh, heart uh, experience with it. There, there's a, a feeling of, of compassion for Egypt, just as God had. But uh, it's, it's not a rah-rah thing. And it, so this bowing their heads in worship, it goes with understanding the cost, the price that the Egyptians paid, and understanding God's grace and mercy that they were spared. It's a powerful thing. 28, and the people of Israel went and did so. As the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. So continuing verse 29. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians. There was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. 
Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone. And then say with me, and bless me also. Isn't that strange? We see this now and then throughout the, the plague stories. Pharaoh hardened his own heart. He was ruthless in lots of ways. He hardened his own heart. God hardened his heart. He had a hard heart problem. Amen? Mm -hmm. But there are brief moments. There's flashes of um, momentary repentance. Even one time he says, I was wrong. You were right. Um, ask God to take away whatever the play was in that moment. There are moments like that where you see um, something, a little soft place maybe, yet in Pharaoh's heart. And maybe we all have an understanding of that ourselves. Our own hearts are sometimes fickle. But here this judgment, the tenth plague, finally brings Pharaoh to the end of himself. He says, you know what? He's not just talking about three days to worship the Lord, is he? He says, you know what? Be gone. Take all your families, all your children, all your livestock. Get out. We're done. And bless me also. But we know in a couple of chapters that he hardened his heart again. And he went after him with his chariot to try and slaughter him. So God tried to reach Pharaoh's heart. And there's moments like this where you see a flicker, but then he blows the flame out with a hardened heart. Verse 33. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste. You suppose they had enough? For they said, we shall all be dead if we let Israel stay any longer. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. Get the sense of haste here, don't we? The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. That's pretty amazing. It's wonderful. It's head-scratching. <laughs> I'm not sure what to say about all of it in truth. Some of this silver and gold was later melted down and used to make uh, the articles that worship God in the sanctuary, in the tabernacle. Uh, they came into the promised land not poor, not like slaves. They came in like a wealthy people. So we might feel like we're we're going through life on the poor side of things. That, that doesn't matter, folks. When you step into heaven, you're going to step into heaven uh, in glory, in majesty, and with, with wealth in a sense beyond compare. Well, we're not going to care about the physical wealth. The blessing of heaven is going to be far beyond we can imagine. So they plundered the Egyptians. Verse 37, the people of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. So we're guessing around 2 million people somewhere. Now that takes, can you imagine 2 million people walking around? Ah, plus livestock. 
It's an unbelievable undertaking. Can you get to 2 million people from 70 people that came down to Egypt uh, 430 years before? Easily. Normal population statistics say that's a piece of cake. Wow. Verse 38, this is really interesting and cool and important. If you got your own Bibles, you can circle this second word, a mixed multitude. Right there, Moses is telling us that some of the Egyptians came with them. Remember say hallelujah. Hallelujah. God said over and over and over with the ten plagues, I'm trying to reach the people of Egypt too. I want them to know that I am really God and their Pharaoh and these other gods are not. I want the whole world to know. Was God successful in his evangelism efforts through the plagues? Yes. He was. We don't know the numbers, but some came with Israel uh, through the Red Sea and beyond. A mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt. For it was not leavened because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared, say with me, any provisions for themselves. Ponder this for a moment, people, please. Two million people overnight were told, grab your bowl and the dough that's in it, we're getting out of Dodge. They literally did not have time to prepare for travel. And where does God take them? Out into a lush garden paradise? Takes them out into a wilderness. Now I know, I I know that we, we naturally want to fill our basements with all kinds of food and stuff in preparation for what's coming. Nowhere does the Bible tell us to do that. Nowhere. Now, the Lord may tell you to do that as he tells some of us to stand and speak our faith and risk life. He's, he's going to tell some of us to flee. He's going to tell us where to hide. He might tell you, fill your basement so you can feed other people too. I don't know why he would need to do that because he can send ravens to feed you if he wants to. We got ravens around here. We usually call them crows. I know who wants crows bringing their supper, but God can do that if he wants to. <laughs> he could have told Israel, right? Dudes, in two months, we're getting out of Dodge. Start packing your stuff. Get ready for a long, long time in the wilderness. God could have told him that, amen? Amen. It just struck me that we can trust the Lord to take care of our needs. Even food and water and clothes. Amen? Amen. We need to work on that. We're Americans. We're wealthy. We're so used to taking care of our needs. We need to work on knowing we can trust the Lord for those things. Verse 40. The time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, everybody say this with me. On that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. What? Does God know what he's doing? Does he have it planned out or what? Uh, to the very day. Now, it sounds like God is saying, from the day that Joseph came into Egypt, from that very day, 430 years forward, they walked out of Egypt. To that very day. Hallelujah. Verse 42. Here's the, the linchpin key verse for today. It was a night of watching, say it with me, by the Lord. Huh. 
we expect the Israelites for, for them to be a night of watching, right? They've had, they, they know what's going to happen. Angel of death is going to go through Egypt. He's going to go over Goshen too. You better have the blood on your doorpost so that or death will visit your house too. So, I mean, would you sleep that night? No way. And so we expected to say it was a night of watching for the people of Israel because they were scared stiff. What does it say? It was a night of watching by the Lord. You can also translate that word vigil. We know what a vigil is. That's sitting right beside someone and, and watching over them every breath and caring and wanting to be there for them. That's a vigil. This is what this is talking about. Who was right there in vigil watching over the people of God in a night that he knew was going to be a frightening night for them, a night of transition. God knew the next morning at break of day they were going to be heading out in the wilderness. It was the night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. It was a night of watching for the Lord. The Lord says, from now on, in remembrance and in celebration of my love and care for you, it should be a night of watching for you, Israel, watching over me, remembering what I did. Remember who I am for you today who I was for you that night in Egypt. A night of watching. What about this night of watching? Uh, what is nighttime like? I mean, simple stuff, right? Darkness. Sometimes scary stuff. Sometimes really challenging things. So we can apply this on a personal level pretty simply. Um, are you right now, or maybe soon you will be going through a time of personal darkness, a scary time, frightening time, a time when you, you maybe you feel like there's something big transitioning happening, but you're not for sure. Maybe there is a great, great big transition happening, and it's just kind of scary. You don't know what's on the other side. Who knows what life is like from making pyramids and stuff to wandering around in the desert for 40 years? They didn't know 40 years is going to happen yet, thankfully. What's going on in your personal life? What about our nation's life? Would you say our nation is going deeper into a time of darkness and scary stuff? What do we need to know about our God? What's God up to right now? Is he somewhere else playing games? Is, is his attention somewhere else? What is God doing over his children right now in America? Over you right now in your situation? He, he's watching over you. He's in vigil over you. He loves you and he cares for you that much. So this watching, this vigil in the night, right away connected to what does God give Israel in the night times coming up that connects with this vigil, this watching in the night. Go to chapter 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. 
For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you. You shall carry up my bones with you from here. How old are these bones? Oh, 400 years old. Egyptians are really good at <laughs> making bodies last. Say, huh? <laughs> really good at it. Verse 20. They moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by night, by night, by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. I, I don't know how often they traveled at night. They probably did some because desert, a lot of times you're way better off traveling in the night in the cool. But I really believe there's additional comfort to the people. When you're traveling in the darkness, talk about not knowing where you're going. You can't even see where you're going. Do you need to know that the presence of God is not just with you, but actually leading you, guiding you, that his power is present? So God watched over them in vigil the night of the Passover. And then from that time forward, through the whole 40 years, people, every night a pillar of fire. So if you ever woke up in the middle of the night, you heard something, you woke up and your mind would let you go back to sleep and started spinning with where are we going, what's life going to be like, how's this going to work? You could go to the door of your tent and do what? Look out. Look out and see the fire of his presence. Chapter 14, verse 19. You could hear it in your tent. We're going to learn more about this fiery pillar, okay? You're going, well, we don't have a fiery pillar to look at, do we? Verse 19 in chapter 14. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood between them, or behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud in the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Did you catch that? Who is it that's moving in with the, the pillar of cloud? The, the angel of God. I wonder... I wonder if that's significant. Verse 24. And in the morning watch, the Lord, that's Yahweh, it's all caps, Yahweh, I am, the Lord, say it with me, in the pillar of fire and of cloud, looked down the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic. Who's in the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud? Yahweh himself, God himself is in the pillar of fire and the cloud. Go to chapter 23. <clears throat> Verses 20 and 21. God says, Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way, to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon you your transgression, for my name is in him. The angel who is in the cloud, the angel who is in the fire. 
was Yahweh himself, Jesus himself. Do not rebel against him. He will not pardon your transgression, for my name, my presence is in him. We don't have a pillar of fire at night to look at. But we can take this to heart, truth from the scriptures. God watched as like a vigil over his children that pass overnight. And from that night forward for 40 years, God gave them a pillar of fire every night. And God revealed to him that he himself, his presence was in the pillar of fire. Whatever night you're going through, whatever night we're all going through, God is keeping watch. He's keeping vigil over us. It's the Lord himself, Yahweh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is with us. He will lead us. He will guide us through. We can trust and rely on him. Not in our own preparation so much, but we can trust and rely on him and him alone. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing. Oh, no, Christ arose. You know, this is that fun one where the verse, which you start with, is kind of kind of soft and low, and then you punch it for the chorus, okay? We're going to sing all three because we need to. Oh, gosh.
darkness, lead and guide and watch over us through the night. Now receive the blessing from the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and keep you in his peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.